Are you a passionate business owner or entrepreneur ready to take your message to the world? Do you dream of launching your own podcast but don't know where to start? Introducing my eight-week Start Your Podcast program designed to guide you every step of the way in creating and launching your podcast. In this program, you'll learn the essential skills needed to craft engaging content, record high-quality episodes, and market your podcast effectively to reach your target audience. I will work closely with you providing personalized guidance and feedback to ensure your podcast stands out in a crowded digital space. But hurry, spots are limited and applications for our upcoming cohorts are closing soon. Don't miss this opportunity to turn your podcast dreams into a reality and launch your podcast this summer visit our website donnaede.com forward slash apply and apply now to secure your spot in our next cohort together let's make your podcasting vision a success welcome back to the podcast everybody i am your host donna ede and today on the show we have a special guest her name is ruth Cooper Dixon, and she is a well-being entrepreneur, a positive psychology practitioner, and a trauma-informed accredited coach. So we have been through the mill the last two years, and we are now finding ourselves in what could be considered our new normal a new normal that looks very different to our old one. So today we are going to dive into some of that um, and get her perspective on it. So let's jump into today's show. to the podcast, Ruth. I am so excited to have you here. I am always up for learning something new from someone new. So um, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. I would love it if we could start off with um, you explaining a little bit about what it is that you do um, and how you came to be doing what you're doing. How long have we got? That's a podcast in (laughs) itself. Um, So I'm as people might have seen on your show notes I'm a positive psychology practitioner um, and I own several businesses well-being businesses so I guess I class myself as a well-being entrepreneur I have my main global mental health and well-being consultancy called champs and then um, which is coming up for seven years old in October so that's like my big girl Um, in uh, 2019 I set up a social enterprise which is called champs for change which is um, supporting women who've gone through a form of abuse through thrivership coaching. And that was really my wanting to give back to society. And I've also got a private coaching practice as well. So again, as as per my notes and and your intro, um, I'm a trauma-informed accredited coach. So I have an MSc in applied positive psychology and coaching psychology. But I only really came into this space, well, it was seven years ago uh, in the mental health space and well-being space um, because I'd gone through my own lived experience of mental ill health. So before that, I'd had a career of 18, 19 years or so um, in various industries. So aerospace, investment banking, wealth management and more broader recruitment here in the UK and overseas, I'd had very much a business career. I wasn't HR, I wasn't L&D, learning development. I wasn't any of those types of roles that you'd normally associate well-being and mental health with. And I'd always suffered with panic attacks and they started very early on. I think I was always 
quite an anxious child in some respects. But I started having these panic attacks at work, probably when I was about 19, 20, I remember, and just thought everyone had them. I mean, as we know now, back then, people never spoke about it. And I just thought there was something wrong with me. And maybe I was you know, getting myself in a bit of a state or I was too weak or not confident enough, which kind of went across again sorry all all how I am as a person because I'm quite extrovert as you know and very chatty and you know very capable in that sense but it, so it was just really confusing to have those kind of feelings and I kind of had this career and went through a life experience I went through a divorce many people go through big life changes not always for the better and just didn't handle it particularly well um, and threw myself into a coping mechanism which people think is really helpful which is exercise but actually what that did do was really numb out talking about anything feelings and just made me very very physically unwell coupled with some disordered eating practices and it, really looking at it now and knowing what I know it was all about control you know my life was falling apart you can control that and um, just didn't really cope and had a huge really traumatic panic attack at work at this point I was working for a consultancy I was a director on the board um I threw myself into work which was great for a short period of time because I was smashing goals and everything performance was through the roof but as we know and as now what I teach in corporates that that's not sustainable either what comes up does come down and just fell apart one day and ended up having months off diagnosed with several anxiety disorders panic disorder and generalized anxiety disorder really that was the big light bulb moment for me and this was back in 2015 and I was so confused why we weren't talking about this at work and back then it wasn't a sexy thing to talk about mental health and well-being at work you know uh, wellness was very much the topic you know how you exercise or eat healthily not really mental health and understanding what that was so yeah it, it just made me think right I want to do something about this and off I went and left the corporate world and started my own it wasn't really even starting my own business and I I thought of myself as a freelancer as a, a trainer for hire if you like um, there was always a theme of people in everything that I did in the corporate world so even when I worked in banking I was a, a project manager but I used to work on HR projects or learning and development projects or working with the recruitment team looking at say onboarding processes so there was always that theme of people in everything I ever did but not explicitly from that practice of you know mental health and well-being so so yeah and and that's kind of where I've ended up now and did my MSc at the University of East London in 2018 and graduated in 2020 because I just felt I needed that theoretical academic underpinning because I think that's so important when you work in the space that you do have that expert knowledge behind you as well as lived experience which is really important as well because it gives you that degree of empathy but um, yeah so it's been a bit of a, a bit of a journey really and then being in your own business as you know is as that grows and new problems and challenges present themselves as well as good times so yeah yeah so yeah I I think that is really important actually what you said there that you've got the education and the experience personally as well and that's something for me that I've always said in the wedding industry actually that you need to have 
um, the experience in the role that you're doing, but you also need some education back in, whether that is education from learning from somebody else that's already in the industry or whether it's more formal education. I, I'm totally a big believer in education. Um, but what I love about what the situation you're in is that like you say you can really put yourself in somebody else's shoes and say you know I've been there I understand and you mean it rather than sometimes when we go to counsellors or things like that where they've only done college courses and things and they haven't had to deal with some of the things that are being brought to them and they you know it's like for me, it's similar to addictions. So mm. I can't wrap my head around how somebody can be addicted to nicotine because I've never been addicted to nicotine. Mm. So I'm just like, I can't, why don't you just stop? I just can't wrap my head around it. And I'm a very empathic person, but I just still can't quite put myself in their shoes mm. and it frustrates me and I'm just like just stop doing it you know it's bad for you it can cause it you know there's all of these this science that says it's so bad mm. for you why can't you just stop and then something can happen I was listening to um, a podcast last night and a guy was telling his life story and he spoke about his mum who was diagnosed with lung cancer and she instantly stopped smoking mm. and so from being two packs a day for 40 years and not giving up and never thinking about it maybe she tried it didn't failed a couple of times who knows don't know the ins and outs of it but something that drastic stopped her dead in her tracks and she just stopped and I'm just like so if you can do that why can't you just do it any other time I'm, I'm and it, I struggle with it I really do mm. so I think when it comes to mental health especially and I have told everybody on the podcast before that I have been a um I've suffered with depression since I was 16 on and off and anxiety came and got me around eight years ago. And that's been something that I've struggled with as well. Mm. So I am very well versed in this particular area. Um, I think it's so important that people that you talk to about it have that ingrained understanding mm. of where you're coming from. And I think that's so important when you're working with clients and you know people that are listening to this podcast now. Where, you know, if working in a wedding industry where you have lots of different stakeholders and clients, you want to make sure that you are also really truthful and also you see things. I want to say not through rose tinted glasses. Obviously, weddings are beautiful and lovely, but there's a lot of when it comes to event planning. There's obviously a lot of realism around you know what what can and can't happen and things that have got to be put into place and when we work with corporates all of my team one of the characteristics is you have to have come from a corporate background originally at some point so no one is for example they may have moved into more of a clinician or they've gone down the route of coach or learning and development as a trainer or facilitator or mental health first aid instructor. But they've all had that background. You know, I've got somebody who works for me who was a, a police officer, a policeman in the Met. Um, so everyone's got that background because you can't sit in front of a corporate and sit in front of delegates and say, well, if, if you know, if you need to log off at five and you've, you've got to make sure you log off at five o'clock, but then the client's emailing with an emergency that's got to be done that, you know, if you're talking in a law firm, they're not, you've got to be real. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of culture stuff there. There's a lot of system, you know, that's why it's much bigger than training and workshops. 
because a lot of this stuff is about how organizations run but you've got to be real otherwise people just won't buy into it and mm. you you know it's also about what you're promising and you know I can say to an organization well great we can run you an hour webinar or a 90 minute webinar but that's not going to change all your internal problems you know or, or the challenges you're currently facing yeah. <laughs> for an hour <laughs> So it is, it is, it's, it's that realist approach as well, I think is really important. And as a business person, I think what you're committing to and what your values are and standing by those, you know, I've turned business down because people have said, we want, we want all of these, you know, mental health first aiders. And I'm like, great. Yeah, that's wonderful. What else do you have? What else are you doing currently? And nothing. Okay. Well, you can't have all these people who are trained running around trying to support and help others when there's not the infrastructure's not right or you haven't got that background or support or the leadership aren't bought into this because they'll wonder why you're doing stuff at lunch times or you know like running these types it is it's just it's just got to be so much more joined up and I think yeah. like you think of a wedding I suppose there's so many moving parts in that there's so many different players that it's it become it's quite complicated you've got to think of that bigger picture as well yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and I wanted to um pull on something you said um in your introduction there was that you had this major life-changing situation that um affected your mental health um because the last two years I think everybody everybody and his dog has had a life-changing experience and we are now in what we would call our new normal um, and that new normal isn't what the old normal used to be you know so even for somebody who works at home like me and I'll use myself as an example I mean I wasn't working from home at the beginning of the pandemic but I have worked from home before so you've worked from home in your business and then all of a sudden your family members landed in your lap in March 2020 and you weren't allowed to leave your homes and we've now come out the other side of it pretty much and some people have still got their family in there (laughs) like (laughs) me um so it's 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 different and it's something that we have to navigate and we're now suddenly like where we've had two years of turmoil so it wasn't it didn't affect us so much having them around because nothing was normal and now it's like well now I've got to do my work and I've got to record my podcast and I've got to do this and I've got to go here and and I'm working from home as I was pre-pandemic then you've got your partner going oh are we doing lunch together today and like during the pandemic that was fine but hey now I'm running my business again and I need to be doing stuff so there's there's um like I say a new normal that has come and we're still suffering the effects of the pandemic you know Mm. there is so many people who lost people during the pandemic whether that be external family members or people that did live with them Mm. and they're now having to sort of be thrown back into the normal when things aren't as they were and I think there is a lot of wishing that we could go back um to sort of December 2019 and just like relive that you know blissfully unaware normality um and I think it will affect a lot of people's mental health and now that we are back working and the wedding industry is back up and we're about to go for our first full season since the pandemic hit we're kind of pushing all of that 
to the back of our heads because we need to be focused on work. So I wondered if you could kind of give us an idea of how we might navigate this new normal Mm. um, and look after our mental health while still running our businesses. Mm. It's it's such a tricky one because with our brains love routine so you know if you like you said like as soon as everything happened in 2020 we adjusted and then for, for a good year or so that was that was then the normal right we adjusted to that we got used to that little so that became a new routine I think what's so disruptive now is because we're not all how we were pre-pandemic which was we'd go out and about and, and do whatever uh, for work and, and be out in offices and you know being the you know being the place of work whatever that is and we're not working solely from home and there's this obviously this talk about you know hybrid working or you know a mix-up really and I think what I find when I'm talking to people is I really struggle with sometimes there's so much choice it's like well I could work from home today or I could I could go to an event space or a co-work space and work from there I could go into my office like there's no there's actually a lot of choice in mm. some ways or there's no routine so before you get up get out the door done come home and it's like oh well I could be working from home or I could be you know all over the place so I think it's trying to first of all let go of what you can't control so you know if your diary does look that it gets a bit haphazard or you know you're going to have upcoming periods of where it could be a lack of routine in terms of work and especially for as you said for those people who are approaching the season and it's upcoming and it could be you know long days out or in and out like just not a consistent you know every single day is the same is to think about first of all self-care so if you're somebody who really loves to you know exercise is important for you so if you're somebody who really loves to go for a walk or a run or the gym is important to you whatever those things are how if you're out all day what does that look like can you get up a little bit earlier maybe just do five minutes of stretching so in your mind you feel like you've done something okay it may not be that half an hour walk you've done something you know I think there's a way around just adjusting things slightly so that on the days when things are going to be very hectic we've got whatever our our self-care boosts are we're practicing them there's a big part about um behavioral activation as it's called so when we have been out and about a lot so if you know if someone is at a wedding all day or they're running around seeing clients all day you get home you sit down on the couch and you think you know the, the brain goes I really want comfort I think watching three or four episodes of Last Kingdom on Netflix other shows are available with Currently a tub of Ben and Jerry's <laughs> yes Yes, um, that's that would be preferable. That could, you know, is that something I need to do right now? Or again, am I better off? It's going to be a pain, but I'll get up, walk the dog for half an hour, twenty minutes around the block, come back, and actually might feel a bit better. And watch, still watch an episode, but I feel like I've done something. Mm. Or sometimes the Netflix is the most important because we need that bit of low level, num- you know, numbing the brain. I don't want to really think about it. I just need to decompress. All of these things are good in moderation, right? There's, it's not, there's nothing wrong with that. The same way as I've said in my intro, you know, if you're then out for three hours exercising, that's also a bit of a problem. So, mm. or potentially a problem, depending on why you're training that hard. Um, so it, it's just thinking about actually when you've had a long day, how do you make it easy for yourself? Do you leave your gym stuff or your, you know, leave 
the dog so you do walk it at night so there's a reason why you have to go and do those things just to make make a commitment to, to meet a friend at the end of the street and go for a walk or drive over and go for a swim together whatever that thing is that you that will again boost those happy hormones so there's a big part about finding those small nudges letting go what's out of your control and know what my day or my week's going to look like this so I'm just going to have to accept it and plan around that a little bit. Knowing when you've got to push yourself because the brain loves to be safe and secure and not have to stress and not be out of its comfort zone. And that's why the couch is so is so inviting. And then there's also a part of it about um, just having a bit more self-compassion and kindness and when things are out of your control or you do mess up or you 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 do have an argument with your other half because they have invaded your space or you know you, you haven't got time they plan to have lunch with you and then you they've got in a meeting or whatever it might be it's just remembering just to take a bit of that pause and a bit of that breath and just have a moment because I think we, we're quite quick to beat ourselves up mm. um and as we know this morning I missed my train on the way in for various reasons and just did sit for a minute after I'd had a like I had a little mini cry which I think was something I needed to do I think that's been building actually for the last week and a half and then I was like and I was about to start to kick in that inner critic of oh you're such an idiot and why weren't you not hit, hit the train station early and you've been doing this work and blah, and all those kind of thoughts and I just thought Ruth no, you know, like you, it's not the worst thing. You'll get to London. It's fine. Get your laptop out. Do what you can do now. And the train came half an hour later on it. Fine. So I think sometimes we're just too hard on ourselves as well. And we can all wish for things how, how they were before. I mean, this isn't relation, obviously, to someone who's gone through losing somebody, of course. But in, in terms of the life that we had, things have changed. And unfortunately, things aren't going to go back in the box so this is how we are and I think it's but still being kind to ourselves because I think people are really I think people are still carrying a lot of anxiety a lot of grief a lot of grief for health grief doesn't always have to be losing someone as well I mean grief can be the loss of what we've had and that experience um there's a lot that we've all been through and I think that's what you said at the start was really important that it doesn't matter whether someone's had a mental health condition before or not we've all been through on some level like what's it was called a collective trauma because we've all we everyone was in that same boat and we've all rode that boat slightly different on with what's happened and we can't we can't you know we can look at everybody else's lives and think well you might have had it better than me or I definitely had, didn't have it as bad as you but we can never understand what someone's truly been through and I think that's something we've always got to be mindful of and I think this we're still going to feel that the hangover of this for some time I think it's impacted us in a way yet we just really can't even fathom and I think work which is such a big part of our lives workplaces are really understanding how this how this kind of is going to be impacted going forward yeah so. yeah I think that and what you said there was so so true and something that I want to sort of touch on there is that um acceptance of how you're feeling is okay because 
I think a lot of times when people, especially when it comes to mental health, because what we have to remember with your mental health, it doesn't necessarily, it's not rational. You know, <sighs> you know, I get anxious about being in the supermarket, you know, when there's a crowd and I'm just like, but there's no reason for it. I, d- I haven't got any trauma related to that. It's just a situation that makes me anxious. And that's, you know, something I have to accept and then learn to deal with. But a lot of the times I think what we find is that people will totally start criticizing themselves. So not Mm. only are we feeling bad, like I'm, I'm using myself as an example, you know, oh my God, I can't go in that supermarket. There's too many people there. But on top of that, I then go, but you're being ridiculous. Everybody else can manage to walk around the supermarket. What's wrong with you? Do you know what I mean? And then other people will say, like, you know, taking it from other things, you know, um, oh, you know, I, I'm feeling really sad and low and I just, I'm struggling to get out of bed in the morning. And then somebody goes, oh gosh, people have got it so much worse than you love, mm. which just invalidates how you're feeling. And it's, it doesn't matter. It does not matter what anybody else has gone through. This is about how you process what you've been through. And that is valid. So, you know, I remember when I was little, you know, being upset about something or, you know, moaning because I couldn't have another biscuit or whatever it was. And my mum going, gosh, there's starving children in India, yeah. you know, starving children in Africa, you know, and all of this kind of stuff. And I would just be like, oh, so invalidating your feelings and you grow up with it it then becomes this bigger thing and when it comes to our mental health it's a real bad situation for us to be in um so you know that acceptance that self-care is so so important and so valid so I appreciate you bringing that up because I think a lot of us beat ourselves mm. up a lot we, would, we wouldn't talk to a friend that way you know I, I always say self-compassion is about treating ourselves with that kindness and you would you know you wouldn't turn around to a friend I'm sure or you know your daughter or someone in your family and say oh you know there's, there's hardly anyone in that supermarket they'd be they'd be silly get it you know you you would you just be you wouldn't have that conversation with somebody and no. we f- we forget that we forget how we talk to ourselves and we look at people who've sadly taken their lives we hear about more about people in the public eye that do that and you think again they ha- on the outside they have everything they have a beautiful life they have a successful career they have fame they have money you know Kate, Kate Spade and people yeah you, know, you just think actually no one can understand and I think it's it's so important to to remember that yes there are always you might think there's always people worse off but actually your feelings are your truth and that doesn't mean that they're any less valid or how however you're feeling is you know it's it's your frame of reference it's your Mm. perception of reality so yeah yeah totally okay Ruth so all of that is kind of a little bit of a it's a little bit of a downer it's a bit of a looking at um the negatives of what the last couple of years have done to us but we really have to sort of turn turn the other cheek um, and look at the ways that we can um, make positives and turn things around so we're not focusing so heavily on the negative I think a lot of the times when we are depressed um, when we're anxious our go-to is to look at the negatives and sort of dwell on them a little bit I know I dwell on them far too much 
So if we are looking at um, changing our perception of our situation, um, looking at trying to be more positive, I thought we should look at what is positive psychology in the first place and then we'll look at it in regard to our business. So a lot of people won't have heard that. It's like psychology, psychology, isn't it? What do you mean positive psychology? Can you explain a little bit about what positive psychology is? Yeah, so positive psychology came about... um... A couple of decades ago now, when uh, the grandfather, if you like, of, po- of positive psychology, Dr. Marty Seligman, who was the president of the American Psychological Association at the time, was talking to colleagues about the fact that with psychology, we've we've always looked at it from a pathology, that there's something always wrong with people, that we always need to fix people, that mental it's always about mental ill health. And when I actually even started in this space seven years ago, when I used to deliver mental health first aid training if you ask people what the term mental health meant to them then it was very much they'd say anxiety depression you know suicide feeling unwell now if I ask that question I get a much more holistic response you know it's about balancing emotions it's about how you feel it's about how you cope it's about how forward-thinking you are and so very much that was his ethos around looking at how we can make people flourish and thrive and looking at happiness and what brings us joy and in the early stages I think it did have a mixed response in the field because it was seen very much as a a happyology and the phrase that you might have heard being banded around a lot in the last 18 months or two years is the phrase toxic positivity whereby people are struggling, people are languishing, struggling, and it's very much, well, if you do all these wonderful self-care practices, you're going to feel great, and positive vibes, and positive intentions, and yes, they are important, but really what positive psychology has gone on to do, and in the academic field, we talk about the second wave of positive psychology, which is very much focusing on trauma um you know I mentioned at the start I talked about post-traumatic growth post-traumatic growth is an area of research for example that I've been really fascinated about which sounds a bit weird trauma coming from that field of positive psychology and for me what what's really I think and what people have really got to appreciate about positive psychology now is that it's focused on all the emotions about how we feel, experience, trauma with the pandemic, collective trauma, bereavements, adversity, tough times in business, whatever we're going through in life, divorces, relationship breakups, kids struggling, all of those things. And how we can take those experiences and not be grateful that they've happened to us or be pleased that they've happened to us or they don't bring us joy, but we learn from those. You know, we talked, we've talked quite a bit already about how we've all taken new pathways. We've found ways to be more resilient in lots of ways. We've had to sit with very tough, difficult, lonely, hard times. And that's been a struggle. Mm-hmm. And hopefully lots of us will have have taken something from that. And, you know, again, not grateful for the last two years, but maybe it's changed things for us that it our lives wouldn't have changed otherwise or Mm. we wouldn't have changed as a person and I think that's for me is where 
it focuses very much on how we need to have those positive relationships we need to look at our accomplishments we need to invest in our self-care and our well-being but actually there's bigger questions like our meaning and purpose and um you know what what do we want from life I think those are kind of some of the big existential questions but actually they're really we're all human and we all you know we all have elements of that within us so yeah. for me that I think that's what fascinated me about positive you know my MSc is applied positive psychology the, the title applied meaning how how can all of us in some small way adopt practices we don't have to always pay for a therapist or pay for a coach there's all little things we can all do to help support ourselves mm, which leads us nicely on to my final question for you Ruth which is how can we kind of bring positive psychology into our business so if you can perhaps give us a couple of things that we can do in our businesses just to bring in some of that positive psychology one of the ones I'm talking a lot at the moment about this week particularly for mental health awareness week is flow so how can we get into flow state because flow is known getting into flow is known to reduce languishing which is you know how we've all pretty much been going through a feeling of that the last couple of years so and flow is brilliant as a business owner because we've all got elements hopefully as a business owner that we love doing I know it's for me it's running a talk or designing a content or writing an article it's not doing my expenses (laughs) it's not so it's not sorting out my diary and answering emails it's not those tasks which don't fill me with yeah I I procrastinate on I move around them and I just I don't love them Mm. but we've all got elements of our job hopefully especially as a business owner because that's why we've gone into this space that that bring us us that flow it's where we, we challenge ourselves we sometimes it's massively out of our comfort zone we grow we we share that experience with somebody else usually you know they take um joy from that as well and actually that's when time you know I'm sure you have moments where you go wow that hour passed and didn't even know because I was mm-hmm. just in that in the zone right so but flow is really hard because we have to be able to carve out that uninterrupted time and maybe for some you know, people that are listening here in the industry you might find you're in flow at the wedding itself but there might be elements maybe afterwards if you're a photographer where you're editing photos and maybe for you that is something that you really enjoy doing and that's a couple of hours you could be spent looking at a video or if you're a videographer or you're a cake maker creating a cake that is brings you into that flow state so whatever those elements are is how do you carve out that uninterrupted time and boundary that time as well mm. I heard a stat today that we check our email 74 times on average a day and we pretty much only Not stay guilty. <laughs> we pretty much stay 10 minutes to a task at a time mm. so it's it's really about you know this fallacy of multitasking so I think this flow is a brilliant one and by a psychologist called Chick Sent Me High, um, because Chick Sent Me High, and great one for 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 for, organi- you know, for business owners to look at. Second one, I would think, is practicing gratitude in just a small way. Mm. And I think we've all been through, you know, as a business owner myself, we've all been through times the last couple of years where we're not sure of what it's, especially with 
this particular industry where weddings haven't happened and what do I do as a business maybe some of your listeners have pivoted a business so how do we practice gratitude what's you know how do we look at at the end of the day or the end of the week what we're we really grateful for this week in our business what the what what things are we really proud that we've achieved what things are we actually glad we got off our to-do list you know mm-hmm. they don't ha- and they don't have to be big they don't have to be say I've got a, I've got a new client that's worth 10 grand or 50 grand or you know, it could and they're great but it could be I finally cleared that pain in the ass activity I had a really lovely email from a client mm. and that brightened my day or I got my tax return in early <laughs> yeah they could be things we're still grateful for um I'm, I'm really proud that my partner supported me and let me finish what I needed to get done this week. So those two things. And my last one is mindfulness because one is to be present in what we're doing. I think we can be so focused as business owners on the next task and what's coming up next Mm. and just being grateful and being present where we're at. But also we can be, you know, as business owners constantly on and never switching off so taking that time to be present with family, you know, not being on our phones, being present at the dinner table or whenever that time is, or taking a break, taking, I had to tell someone in my team this week, take a lunch break, take that lunch break. You need to step away from the desk for an hour. Mm. So they're probably my top three that I, I love would, that. that. And I, would I love what you said about um, dinner as well, because we have a rule in my house. So for the first So we moved into um, a house where my daughter was just turning five, I think. Yeah, just before she turned five, we moved into our first sort of home that was our home up until 2019. And we had a small table in the dining room, but she would eat her dinner up there. Sometimes I'd eat with her. Most of the time the table was covered in rubbish. Um, I had a desk, then I got rid of the table and I had my desk, that was kind of my office space. And so we would eat in the living room on our laps watching TV. When we moved into this house, we've got a dedicated dining room, we've got an office. So I was like, right, we are eating dinner at the table every night. Um, much to her disgust, <laughs> um, because she's obviously she's 21 in a two weeks time so she was just like oh for god's sake mum and no phones at the table um that that is my rule so she's not here every night for dinner now because she got boyfriend um but when she is here and when he is here no phones at the table we eat together as a family and that to me is so important that we just Mm. have that time because my daughter comes from a generation that I think is suffering majorly with their mental health and so any moments that I can take that just like step away from the phone let's have a conversation as a family let's just have some family time I think is really important for her even if she doesn't realize it Um, but it's just so hard to navigate as a parent watching your child go through this and not feeling you know because as, as the parent anything I say is like oh go away mum what do you know kind of thing and it's like it's so hard um so anything we can do to kind of bring that family unit together and Mm. let them know that they are safe and that they are loved um is a good thing in my book um so it was all such a good um podcast um topic of conversation Ruth I really appreciate you coming on and talking to me about this subject um 
let everybody know about your one hour MOT because I was just like, oh, I need an MOT for sure. (laughs) So the one hour MOT is an opportunity to book a one hour session with myself um, to basically have a bit of a, a coaching session, but we can bring in positive psychology tools. I can give you some support and guidance, whatever you need. So so whether that is work focused, whether that's life focused, it's an opportunity to spend an hour with me, non-judgmental listening space. I can hold that space for whatever you need and we can run through a series of different aspects in terms of what, what your focus is. And if you've got some goals that you're looking to achieve, we can kickstart those. Same way with your car. We'll, we'll do a, a run through and then I'll give you some guidance about how to take that forwards. And yeah, it's, it's just an opportunity to have that check in. Fantastic, fantastic. So all of Ruth's information will be linked in the description box below and in the podcast show notes. So please do head over, um, follow her on social, take a look at what she's doing. And if you're interested in that MOT, then definitely reach out to her. Um, I think we all could do with an MOT every now and then. Um, So I hope you found this week's um, episode valuable. If you did, please be sure to give it a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe and hit that notification bell so you know next time we upload. And if you are listening on the podcast, then please make sure you are subscribed where you listen so you don't miss a thing. Until next week, bye for now. Don't forget to hit those stars and leave a review of the podcast where you listen if you found value in what you heard today. It's a free way you can help the podcast reach more people just like you.